Taylor. Mm-hmm. You're in a pretty significant role right now, pretty influential role. Like you interact directly on a daily basis with some of the most influential people in technology, uh, which means that you're one of the most influential people in technology, but you <laughs> keep your head down, uh, which is uh, impressive that you, you manage to, uh, to get so much done without, without drawing attention to yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So no, first off, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me and, and go through this. I love, uh, I love hearing people's stories. I love telling stories. And just like, that's one of the most fun things about working at the CNCF uh, is getting to hear so many stories on a daily basis. So my name is Taylor Dolezal. Uh, I'm the head of ecosystem at the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. Uh, I get to, like like you had said, I get to work with so many amazing folks. And um, yeah, we just explore so many of life's problems. Just happen to be on silicon and everything else. Like, yeah, lightning inside of a rock, basically. Yeah, lightning in sand. Uh, <laughs> like crazy that it works at all. Um, but uh, yeah, anything as it comes to cloud native computing, puns, reading, psychology, like there's so much to dig in. Puns, reading, that's, that's Taylor. <laughs> Pun believable. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Okay, so, so you said head of ecosystems. Mm-hmm. What is head of ecosystems? What, what, what are you responsible for? Yeah, yeah. So, so on a day-to-day basis, I will work with uh, end users. So, what is that? That's you know, that's kind of synonymous with a lot of things. Um, an end user is a uh, uh, group, uh, typically end user members, and just you know, talking with other people that might want to become members or work on CNCF projects. Um, so, end users are folks that don't take CNCF projects and then resell them. Um, no consultancies, no telcos, and a couple other uh, like service integrators and things like that. It's it's more the people are taking and using these projects to build out platforms internally. So some examples might be Airbnb, Mercedes, Intuit, Reddit. The small companies. Uh, those, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like things that you might not have ever heard of before. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't still talk and work with folks from Amazon and Google and, and other cloud uh, cloudy companies. Because you definitely do. Absolutely. There's, there's, t- there's just so much going on within the space, and it's helpful to get a sense of all of it, right? Like, like DevOps and, and many other movements, we've seen that it just, things can happen in silos, but it's much better when things can kind of interconnect and people can work together. Even the CNCF, it's a vendor neutral space. We get to have all these conversations and work through these things together. Um, simultaneously, we give end users a space to be, and they interact with clouds and other companies too, but this is a place where you don't have to worry about, you know, getting pitched at, or like, you don't have to fit the solution that's been provided to you. We can figure out new ways to accomplish things Mm. through these open source tools. So they come to you for that. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So, So if I'm like head of engineering at Mercedes, I would call Taylor. To be like, hey, how do I interact <laughs> with all of these products that, that are out here? We heard about Argo CD. We're trying to use it, and it sucks. Uh, you'd be like, it doesn't suck. Yeah. Did, like, yeah. Let's, did you, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. yeah. It, okay. digging, digging into those things, yeah. I think a lot of people will, it, it, on that point, I think that I've seen some teams adopt Kubernetes inside my role and outside, and they've been like, oh, we've adopted Kubernetes. And then you know, the next question is, oh, what workflows has it enabled for you? And people go, workflows? You know, it's like, no, you don't, you don't have to adopt the thing if it's not useful. You know, it's like buying yeah. an RV, you know, an, an RV or yeah. uh, a pool in like a cold yeah. climate. Like it's going to freeze. It's like, not useful. It's not going to help. Kubernetes is the worst offender for that. Or peop, like as people are adopting Kubernetes, it's because it's what everybody's doing. Exactly. It's, it provides standards. It, it provides you pathways to things. Yeah. It's not the solution. It helps enable solutions. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, the disconnect for, for some folks yeah. on that front. Yeah. But uh, yeah, helping connect people with projects, maintainers, contributors, just acting as a connector for um, people that are members, contributors, just any context. Just yeah. I love being a connector uh, of folks, too. There's just yeah. so much that we can do together. Who do you work with like on a day over day basis? Who are your recurring contacts? If you can tell me anything about that. Yeah, yeah. I think it just internally, it's mostly Priyanka and Chris. And, Who are? Uh, uh, so Priyanka is the executive director of the CNCF. So uh, the person you know running a lot of the things. Um, uh, Chris Anacek, he's the CTO and will work mostly with projects and other concerns. And then several other team members too when it comes to you know helping elevate end users in the media like Intuit 
it, just won uh, the end user, uh, this past KubeCon won end user award for just being recognized for all they've done uh, with Argo and contributing back and all these other yeah. things too. So yeah. really, you know, just uh, helping elevate stories, make connections, uh, working with Chris Priyanka and others. Uh, and then it really, it does vary in terms of members, you know, reaching out, uh, giving feedback, uh, really constructive feedback. I think that it's, I, I don't want to hear things that are just positive. I want to hear where things are difficult too, mm. because that's an opportunity, right? It's not a bad thing. It's an opportunity. Yeah. So that's again, a, a disconnect that I think a lot of people might not see. Uh, working at, you know, uh, we'll go into some places I've worked, but Disney was definitely one place like that yeah. where I had worked and it was really positive and the culture there was very much like people might be afraid to say something that's negative, but that's uh, okay. It's just, if something doesn't work for you, that we don't have to sugarcoat that or make that a positive thing. Let's be real about it. Let's figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if if you think that this is terrible and I think it's great, we need to figure out which is there's, true. There's something in the middle there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, or one of us is just dramatically misunderstanding something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how did you get to the Linux Foundation? It was, uh, honestly, it's a really, really interesting story. So I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started off my career, I'll give like an abbreviated and uh, up to like maybe N minus three roles. Please do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I started, um, I, I had the privilege and benefit to start working with technology from an early age. Um, my dad had worked at uh, Alan Bradley and Rockwell Automation and some technical companies like Honeywell and working with all these different companies. Wow. Um, so he would bring home a laptop and I'd get to play, you know, computer games on that solitaire, see Windows 95. The real thing computers were made for. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Listen to dial up sounds. I think that's initially what they're really for. Just a yes. you know, cool mixtape. Like anybody between like, like 30 and 45 right now. It, like that's a nostalgic sound. I'm like, oh, that's the sound of happiness coming. <laughs> happiness is on its way. It's like I, I have to find how to make that a text alert for for real. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah. That then, then you're always happy to get the text until yeah. uh, it might it might get abused. Okay. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It, uh, overplayed. So you grew up in a technical household. Yes. Um, did you start like doing stuff with the computers beyond playing games on them? Yeah. As a kid, I just played the games. Oh, it regularly would get accused by my parents, you know, within reason maybe, um, <laughs> of, you know, messing up settings or configuration. Uh, like, what did you do? You yeah. know, like, so So I was definitely like the, the it, I saw myself as like the fun, chaotic kid that got to <laughs> look at this and like, well, okay, good. how does this work? You know, take it yeah. apart, really just like, uh, even playing video games now, I'll, uh, uh, my wife has commented on like my chaotic play style. And like, I like pushing things to the limit to see like, where yeah. are the lines? It's interesting uh, to me. Um, you know, don't do that within community spaces, of course, but I relegate that just to games. But When uh, people's like feelings and understandings and livelihoods are on the line, maybe don't be so cute. <laughs> it's like noted. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so um, what about like after high school, university, anything like that? Yeah, so so really experienced that. I think uh, I really started my technical career on TI-83 plus uh, graphing calculators. Oh, gosh. Um, so I, I, You're I was, one of those. I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was fun. Um, I got, uh, uh, there was a, I think it was seventh grade. I first got introduced to one. Yeah. And one of my fellow classmates was playing, uh, Nibbles was the name of the program. It was just a snake game going around and collecting the asterisk. And it would keep going around and growing bigger as you kept getting them until you crashed into the wall. Yeah. Um, or into yourself as the snake. Sure, yeah. And so uh, uh, when he opened, he opened up the game and changed the asterisks to be minus symbols. I'm like, wait, how, how did you, That's how did you do that? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you can yeah. make games on these things. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you can. You know, and while that was just switching out a character, yeah. um, that got me really deep into wanting, you know, to work more with them. So with our class, I was able to bring that home, mm. uh, read up on the documentation and uh, play around with things, uh, made, made games off of like The Legend of Zelda, um, like did things with another uh, classmate and good friend of mine. Uh, his name was Vince. And uh, so we got to like go through all of that. So that really was like the that was the spark. Um, Did you make a game or just like, yeah, yeah. you made a game yeah. on the TI-83, okay. I've met maybe one or two people in the past that have done that. 
several games, uh, programming in basic, essentially. It was like label-based programming, like go to, label this, and really? that, and menus, and wow. all kinds of fun things. Wow. Um, it was, oh, it was fascinating. I never got to program in assembly and do like things of, at that level, um, re- but mostly because of like the size concerns. I didn't know how to compress it at, at that age, to compress it to, to get, get it on to, a TI-83. Yeah, the right format. And, like I was not a build or release engineer at that time. So, yeah, <laughs> at that time, is there some <laughs> foreshadowing here? Oh, 100%. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So, so then, then what? Then uh, went to VB6. They had a class for that in my high school. So by eighth grade was programming in Visual Basic, label clicks and like neon green forms. Yeah, like things that you would never, uh, I would never advise doing that nowadays. <laughs> I don't, there was a lot of neon green in the early 2000s. Like, uh, <laughs> Geocities. I, I don't know if this is the same time period, but but I saw my fair share of, of neon colors. Uh, the marquee tag, blink in oh, HTML. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I put up a few marquees myself. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, nothing maybe. useful or interesting there. Just they were there. It's like it may have contributed to me getting contacts this these days. <laughs> I didn't look at the sun, but I definitely looked at a couple of blank tags. Uh, <laughs> like, what's oh going my gosh. on? Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> Uh, so continued on that, I got into a career technical program in high school. Like it was, a, again, truly fortunate to have all these opportunities. Oh, wow, yeah. And, um, and, and it was kind of like a, something you had to apply for and get into, interview for. So again, really... First up, it had to be available at your school. And second up, you had to get accepted into it. So, so props for recognizing that... that- yeah, it was not. It was not something. It was just like, oh yeah, I just you know, it, it grew on a tree. I just pulled it right down. Yeah, it's, it's right there in my front yard. <laughs> Bootstraps like, you know. pulled myself up. You, you, you had some really, really good opportunities that were made available to you. And what did you do with them? Uh, so, so after that, got really excited. You know, with that initial game fascination, that was like where I saw my life going. It was like I want to make video games. That is fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, and so I had looked at going to Full Sail in Florida, which is uh, you know, audio design, all those things. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, just life circumstances wasn't able to get mm-hmm. in or, or afford it. And then uh, ended up going to DeVry University. It was during the predatory lending phase. Uh-oh. And so I, I was fully financed. I did two and a half years of that and then couldn't afford it. I was, uh, you know, I was like 19, 20 at the time mm. on an accelerated uh, program because it was a center, not an actual college experience. So I ended up dropping out. Um, uh, you know, got like uh, settlements and things like that. Nowhere near what it would cost to go to school, but you know, life happens. But uh, that was, uh, but it really, it for me, that was a good thing because it encouraged this, like it, it the spark and the hope was still there. And the um, I worked at a place where my boss recognized that too. You know, he kind of knew my story as well. And mm. he made, uh, he's like, um, I'm really sorry about your situation uh, and everything, but I, if there's any resources or books that you want to buy and get, it, you have my full backing. Really? I'll, I'll help you out You just with started that. buying resources for you? Yeah, like wow. Wiley books, O'Reilly books. What kind of, what kind of job was it? Um, so it was a place called Cotts Works, commercial off-the-shelf works, and it was with fiber optic transceivers. So it was a job I got at 16, um, applying around the area. It was like yeah. oh, just a quick walk from my high school, actually. So I'd finish yeah. school. I'd you know maybe go and swing and grab like a, a early dinner or something like that, and then uh, go work there. So they put parts in the Boeing uh, Dreamliner, Airbus, oh, geez. yeah, um, and just eliminate a lot of weight off of airplanes because it's fiber optics and glass, oh. not copper. Shoot. Um, so really, that was also a really fun uh, thing, and yeah, got to write code and software. There, I discovered open source because I was writing .NET and, and Microsoft Visual Basic, okay. all of those things prior. Yeah. Then it was like. These licensing costs are really high, you know, get into PHP, Ruby on Rails, and then just kind of continuing forward with those paths, living in Cleveland, Ohio. So that was cool. I got to work for Cleveland Clinic, uh, American Greetings, and other places on that front too. So just really, again, cool. really fun, interesting companies. Yeah. Okay, so let's fast forward to, to like the next big interesting moment. The, ne- the next big interesting moment was probably 2016, um, where uh, uh, the, my current job at the Cleveland Clinic was getting into, uh, did some really incredible work with um, concussions and uh, neurological functions as part of a lab. And um, we were, uh, uh, the medical industry at that time was interesting because it still was highly based on like pencil, paper, and like that was how they were keeping track of things, which is just like, there's a, there is a better way. They were predicting like, ransomware. Yeah. They're like, we know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you can't hack this. It's a paper. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, go on, go on, go on. And, uh, and so, you know, as part of bringing that to the cloud, giving these, uh, like, iPad uh, assessments, uh, mm. you know, actual, like, digital assessments, uh, making that a possibility, um, working with Go and Ruby and, like, 
you know, hospitals really weren't using clouds that much, at least in, in the Cleveland area at that time. So we were one of the first groups to do that. Um, and then, so that, that was going well. It was, it was a couple of years into that. And then it just started to get on a maintenance mode thing. There wasn't as much newness there. Mm. And so that's, that was enough to make me kind of rethink things. Um, talking with my wife too. She, she works in the art field. Mm. She, she, you know, big into math and science as well, but heavily into like interior, uh, architecture, design and art and branding oh. graphics. But it's a good combo. Really good balance. It, it yeah. makes for great hue light setups at our house. Too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we are our best when we combine those talents. Uh, <laughs> so that was really fun. Um, and I remember that she said, uh, uh, we were talking about, you know, what's next for us? Uh, mm. And we've always both wanted to move out to the West Coast for both of our jobs, for tech mm. and for design and art. From Cleveland. Oh, yeah. And the snow in Cleveland is, you know, the, <laughs> the Cleveland's like the second most cloudy day as uh, I think Seattle's number one in the States and then Cleveland's number two. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. Cleveland. I, 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 like, I get like the snow, the like dreary, but like second to Seattle. Yeah, it's it, it blew me it, it, when I heard that. I was like, no, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 on a uh, it's on a leaderboard somewhere. It's, just it's on a leaderboard <laughs> somewhere. I like how you said yeah. leaderboard. Like clearly, you play some games. <laughs> it's just like yeah, it's it's in my DNA. It's my DNA. Yeah. Oh man, cool. So you ended up out in LA. Did you get a job before going to LA, or you did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, did I, both I, of you guys have jobs before coming out? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Locked yeah. So it down was, and then moved. Yeah. That wow. was, that was the most interesting thing was my wife said in the next nine months, we're going to be, she just stated this, Prophetic. we will be in LA. And I was just like, wow. that is wild. Six yeah. months later we were in LA. Wow. And so, yeah, just like, just, but, but not just like, you didn't just like decide you're going to up and just like, no matter what. No, that was like, it. That was the conversation all... we had. It was just like, this is, this is, this is an intentional thing. Mm. We're going to do this. And then, you know, we, we time boxed it yeah. and it ended up happening. And, in... but I, I love that you didn't just like say, we'll figure it out when we get there. Oh, for sure. Like it also like, it ended up working out to where you were able to get start dates that were similar uh, to where you could actually pack everything up, move out there. You're done with the interviewing. You've got a job waiting for you. There's uh, a lot of variables, but like whether or not you can pay the bills wasn't one of them. Like you, you were able to lock all that down before moving, which is very not the normal story when it comes to moving halfway across the country. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like a... one or the other having a job, sure, but like both of you locked it down. I love that. Love that. It was, uh, it was, and it was just such an experience. So many new things. Like even had like uh, family and parents say like, "Wow, like this is this is a big move." Like we really respect uh, both of you oh, for making great. that decision. So like it just felt good to you know have that from that's from our great. that support from our families. Yeah. So. so what were the jobs? Uh, so so my wife went to go work at a design firm and kind of like working with uh, later on working with like some big tech firms mm. as yeah. well, designing offices and, and cool things and winning awards. Uh, and then just, she's, uh, it's uh, obviously, you know, being married to her, very biased, but also just one of the coolest people I know. She sounds so, cool. Uh, just incredible. Yeah. Uh, Hannah Beth, but well, uh, incredible. Um, and then I went to Disney, uh, Disney Studios. So that was, it was between San Francisco or Los Angeles. And we picked LA just because of, you know, everything kind of combining together there. And then, uh, yeah, Disney, Disney Studios. So it was really, really What were you fun. doing at Disney? What was your role? So there I started as a uh, senior systems engineer. Uh, senior systems engineer that's a loaded title oh for sure yeah yeah it's like uh, lots of modifiers yeah dexterity <laughs> optional uh, <laughs> uh and so it was i i was it was just really interesting and unsettling because like you know it's moving across the country mm. it's picking up a house and and you know fig re figuring out a whole new lifestyle mm. it's a whole new culture and and you know we we didn't have friends or family out there so yeah it was Different a lot pace, of just everything yeah Traffic and, uh, probably was different. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Less, not as many potholes as, as Cleveland. At least you know, winter, snow, salt, all that oh, is gosh. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, L LA was a yeah, different driving experience. Yeah. Oh, I bet. It's, it's funny going home now too because you, you you kind of tune yourself to this like aggressive driving style. Yeah. And so you go home and it's just like gaps everywhere. And so what do you do? Like, Why am I driving so fast? I don't need to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are so, you like yeah. shoving people off the road in I'm, Cleveland? I'm like, Ohio. I'm like going 70. I'm just like, okay, I hope I don't hit traffic. And I'm like, no, where? And, uh, I'm in Cleveland. Stop it. It's fine. You can, I'm, not, yeah, I'm not gonna yeah, hit drop it. Yeah, you're going like 60, 65. It's oh fine. Oh my gosh. It's, it's cool. That's so funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just an incredible experience to get out there. Yeah. Uh, Senior I, systems engineer. 
I started working with the uh, theatrical groups. So they, uh, distribution, like their taxonomy of theaters, um, uh, uh, some like sales uh, reporting platforms that they had too, and like seeing if ads were doing well, if we're getting revenue that's enough on the movies, deciding placement, like, hey, maybe this theater's not doing so well, so let's not put it here, but instead refocus it over here. Right. Um, really cool. With automated systems. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. These, I imagine you're not doing that by hand for the entire country. No, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It just, it's just pen and paper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> lots of it. Trying to, trying to keep the ransomware at bay. No. Okay, okay, okay. So you had automated systems to predict, like, which are going to be the successful theaters, um, where should we uh, allocate energy and efforts and things like that? Exactly. Okay. It was, um, so I had done some work with uh, Kubernetes and cloud systems, obviously, working at uh, the Cleveland Clinic. Like, mm. I really... Um, that's when I first started working with Docker and containers and got to see like the early stories of like container D and rocket and like all of the cultural, historical, interesting conversations that happened yeah. at that time. And then just learning best practices because you could put things in a container and that container could be 18 gigs, but that's not the best way to, to write it. So yeah. that came with a lot of learning, cool meetups in Cleveland. But I, I, that, uh, that was one of the reasons that I got hired at Disney was to help standardize the you know what our our team was going to do is the we, i think we were about five people in our systems engineering team so it was a very small team by the end of my tenure there it was uh, upwards of like 40 people oh so geez. really expand 40 people doing what uh all kinds of things so like some people working in residuals and and you know ensuring actors get paid and oh. you know, they we could do audits and things like that uh, video and coding. So just any automation that needed to happen for Disney all, Studios. All of the studios, yeah. Wow. We, we, we would integrate with some things for like Lucasfilm and Pixar. Each of the different sections I've had their own them. CTOs, like small company again. And <laughs> 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 it's just really cool people too. Like wow. the, the heart in a lot of the folks that I've worked with um, has just been really incredible. Um, and I've gotten to interact with folks too. Some of them have even left Disney and gone to uh, you know, places like Adobe and other places. Mm. And I get to work with these people again. So it's fun to you know, make those connections and keep seeing yeah. them, uh, see, seeing folks all around. It's so funny enough, I was talking to, at the time, you know, uh, was really interested in open source and Kubernetes and everything. Once I was one of the first groups to uh, migrate services onto Kubernetes mm. and move to production. Okay. And okay, so okay. that was kind of what, like, it, I always wanted to solve things in that way. Had done mm. some open source stuff before working in Ruby on Rails and everything back in Cleveland. Mm. Um, I owned a consultancy of my own for, for a short stint as well. Um, and, it, you know, it wasn't anything meaningful. It was just like p fixing a gem or like this developer experience is not good. Let's change a couple of things around okay, through this. Okay. But when it was adopting Kubernetes and being one of the first folks to solve that problem mm. for studios and standardize on what our approach is going to be, you know, because every team is like, well, we deploy things a little differently here. When you hear that a hundred times, it gets yeah. really tiring. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like you want that standard interface to work through. Yeah. And so we started within the theatrical group, and they were really opening, uh, open and willing to try out these things and learn um, along too. You know, they're used to persistent applications and monoliths, and then splitting into microservices, um, realizing that containers restart. So you have to, yeah. So there's, yeah, idempotency. What a what a concept. What? So, yeah. Uh, really, really ephemeral. What? It's like what's that? Like yeah. no, we're going through a queue right now. Well, how do we, you know, lock this or write? Oh, so yeah. those yeah, kinds yeah. of concerns. Th these are like real problems, especially when even the terms are new. Like uh, I, I don't care how fast you learn. There's you're gonna have some time where you're banging your head against the wall trying to resolve some of these issues and you walked through that with these teams i had and a lot of advil yeah personally. and a lot of advil <laughs> <laughs> i did hit my head against the wall it, okay. it, it was interesting dynamics because some folks were, you know, you go, th you see all kinds of different people at different like places within their journey. So mm. some folks really open to learning these things. Others frustrated, you know, like this worked. Why are we changing this? Yeah. You know, like, and that's a valid question to ask. Yeah. And so kind of trying to figure out how to speak, uh, the, how to tell that story to so many different types of people. I think was a big skill to learn in that experience. But uh, we got there, we did it, we made it happen and we learned a lot of new things in the way. Some of the folks that were having more of a difficult time learning it too, by the end of the experience, they said, 
oh, I get it. The, like the whole time you're trying to help us. I was like, yeah, no, no, no. I don't want to make this difficult or like we're not doing this just because it's the new trendy thing. There are reasons yeah. for this. Yeah. Um, and those were realized at the end. So that truly made the experience rewarding. Mm. But we definitely followed that like, you know, consume. And then after that had been done and we had gotten folks onto Kubernetes and other teams in my org were starting to adopt that as well. Um, that's when I was like, you know what? It would be fun to join the CNCF or like interact with them mm. or contribute back. How do we start doing that? Yeah. I talked to our CTO about joining the CNCF and he was, you know, uh, excited about that possibility as well. Um, granted, you know, uh, working with Disney Legal is something uh, that's another learning experience for sure. Uh, we had an OSPO as well. Mm. And that was one of the things they brought up was the Academy Software Foundation was kicking off. There we go. And so that's what they, they're like, well, should we join the CNCF? Because we're already joining this, uh, you know, section yeah. of the foundation. Does this make sense? Why are you trying to join this one and not that one? Yeah. So even navigating that, at the time, I didn't have a good answer for that. Now I do, of course. But uh, yeah, it's easy when you know the answer. Yeah, right. But <laughs> Hindsight. Always 20, 20. Yep, yep. yep. Um, but that's, it, that was a really cool, that still is a, a really inc- impressive collection of projects. So but. you, so you uh, were at least involved in that process of getting Disney into the Linux Foundation then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely one of the, the pro proponents of, hey, let's do this. It's it's a huge benefit to not be, you know, you can adopt things and make them work for you, mm. but being, understanding it enough and having used it enough to be able to provide feedback mm. about how it's shaped yeah. and like just making sure your voice is heard. You know, you can either kind of accept the future as it comes to you or you can help create it or influence it or even just talk about it with others. Yeah. I feel like that's really important being present, you know, like even, even voting and things like that. Now it's great to be present and just like, you are valid. You are absolutely yeah. valid. And in open source, it's even more than just a vote. Even like it's, yes, there, some things are just standards and some people might see that as like ambitious or kind of like lofty, like, yeah, it's just a spec though. But no, that's what people are going to bind to. That's what's going to determine the future in so many aspects. And so getting a, getting a really good sense of that and, you know, learning your voice and exercising that really important, you know, yeah. make the best of it. Yeah. So I want to ask you a bunch of questions about your experience with SRE. Um, but first, could you tell us a little bit about, um, I loved this quote, uh, the other day it was, it, it, I can't even repeat it as a quote, but, um, but it was, uh, this video that was talking about the, um, Academy, the Linux foundation Academy, or is it, or what's the full name? I think Academy software foundation. So Academy AS, software AS, foundation. Um, and it was it was basically like we contribute to and consume open source so that way we can be free to be the storytellers that we want to be. Yes. Something, something like that. Yes. Uh, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool that you have these um, technologists who are being the best technologists that they can because they're so motivated to tell good stories. Yeah. yeah. Which is great. And, and, and we need more of that. And I think that... Uh, in movie making, it's maybe not always, you know, maybe not batting a thousand yeah. here, yeah. but, but the, that, that heart and that motivation, um, of like, Hey, that's, we're trying not to spend all of our money on technology. Uh, we're trying to collaborate, do some cross industry stuff, um, work on the table stakes out in the open. Uh, so that way our stuff that we, that we really excel at our IP, um, we, we have more time for that. We can really focus on that. I, I love that. So I'm just like geeking out about that. Can you share any other knowledge about that foundation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I've done a just minimal work with them, but I think that that's it to me. It's so important to see that that, that, that happened and to see so many, uh, so many, so many, uh, studios and other mm. groups getting together and saying like, here's something that's going to help you with rendering. Here's something that's going to help you with this editing process. And these are all projects in the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. It, to, to, to see, to, to see that understanding of the fact that like you can go ahead and solve each of these problems individually. Um, you know, there is, yes, there's like a business model and merit on like, I solved a problem first. I'm going to, you know, eke all of the money I can out of this because I solved this first. Yeah. That's one approach. The other is <laughs> you That's can share that. You can share that and say like, mm-hmm. hey, we furthered this. Let's give this back to everyone. 
then that's going to push you to come up with like, okay, this is like for you more or less solved. And then you can get iterations and solve things with this collective community and this additional, you know, all this extra cognition power and people's smarts. We're mm -hmm. so much smarter as a whole than we are just individually. So yeah. it's, you know, and, and open source is, is like a three-legged race or, you know, like, uh, or however many people. Yeah. It'd be a huge line of folks. Um, but it's, you get to go so much further with that and solve the problems in that way rather than having being like 18 organizations all solving the same problem, wasting all that time objectively, all that money objectively. And, you know, like, like from a human, you know, betterment standpoint, why would you do that? Why would you do the same thing 18 times at the same time? That's to me, that's silly. Yeah. I'm biased, yeah. of course. Especially but. when you could do it better together. Yes. Yeah. And then you could solve new problems. Like we're, you know, time, Interesting time, time is limited. Yeah. yeah. So let's, uh, to me, like let's solve more. Let's, yeah. We're only alive so long. <laughs> yeah. So um, Royal O'Brien's doing some similar stuff in a totally parallel track. Yes. Uh, I could geek out about that or I could ask you. What do you, what do you, what do you know about, about the Open3D engine and that foundation? Um, the Open3D Foundation had their Open3D event. Yeah, um, Open in 3D Austin. Con. Yeah. And so I got to go to that. There was oh, a, a speaking opportunity where I got to talk about, of all things, the metaverse. And yes, there's and a whole track native. on it. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I, I love that. Uh, so pause for clarification. Metaverse is not necessarily talking about work that is being produced by meta. Uh, though it could overlap, uh, we're talking on a larger scale than simply one company. Yeah, yeah. Even even like uh, Anheuser-Busch is a really great example. So like there's that whole, I, I learned like a whole bunch preparing this talk that I gave there yeah. about like, I was like, digital twins, what? Like that's not a band? Uh, maybe it is. Uh, <laughs> it will be It will be within the month. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, maybe we can start one. New band name. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the seeing how they use it to make like digital representations of real life objects and like what happens if we pump through this much beverage or you know like can can the pipelines handle this much mm. or, or this much backflow simulation uh, yeah okay yeah and then mirroring that back and forth so being able to kind of like deal with that and see like will the system fail is there something that we can tweak you can solve a lot of what if questions rather mm. than just like having to test it with real uh, real materials. Yeah. Let's just, just shoot a bunch of, of bush through these pipes to find out how good the pipes are. Yeah, and then uh, Kool-Aid after, and then like, oh, the, the sugar corroded the pipes, what? You know, uh, like, so let's that's- Let's learn in real life. I yeah. mean, which for a long time we've needed to do. Yeah, or even like shopping experiences, like oh. in, in like uh, there was a great follow-up question on that front where uh, this uh, person, she's like, oh, I, I go shopping with my husband and my experience uh, out of what I want from say maybe a car is very different from what he would want. So you could go in that kind of experience and experience different things with in the same setting. Yeah. Uh, you could even go and like reach into an engine and pull out the spark plugs, which is not good to do in real life. Yeah, Somebody's going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> and get more information and clarity okay. on things. So there's like, that to me is the more interesting thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. I like it. Um, yeah. So with, with open 3d engine, the thing that I think is, is re really stands out to me is that um, because it's modular and um, it obviously the legacy code that it's um, built from is uh, was originally CryEngine, which made uh, the left side of the meme when 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 you see like <laughs> this is what we produced in 2010, this is what we're producing in 2020. That was on CryEngine, like the best graphics that have ever been made by humans was on CryEngine, but it wasn't um, maintained. It didn't it didn't continue by Crytek. Uh, so Amazon forked it. They took they made Lumberyard. Um, uh, Eddie Knight speculation, they didn't profit enough, off of it enough, so they open sourced it. And that's where Royal comes into the picture. And one of the first things they did was modular, modularize it, make a lot of modules out of it. <laughs> and that's where the demand comes in because um, Epic's not looking for a new 3D engine. Uh, even Microsoft and the Bungie team, or sorry, the 343 team, they're not, they're not looking for a new 3D engine. They've got their own. But the table stakes... The things that everybody has to do, suddenly you see developers coming from all over the industry and working on this open source component of Open3D Engine, not because they're using Open3D Engine themselves, but because they're taking that component that everybody worked on, they're bringing it in-house and focusing on the stuff that they're good at. Yeah, yeah. And right. I love that because at the end of the day, do you want to maintain 18 different you know, game engines? Probably not. You know, maybe you have reasons yeah. to. But well, and, and the different components of the game engine. All the different components of the game engine, if we could kind of like ease up some of the work on them. 
And, and, you know, not everybody keeps the same job throughout their, their entire career. So suddenly so, it becomes individually profitable. And then you could take that with you. That was yeah. sub, that was another benefit I saw, you know, working at Disney. It's like their legal is its own thing. And there's, yeah. you know, I, it, there's business reasons for it. I, I get mm. that, you know, why Disney does what they, what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some cases it's difficult. It, like, uh, Disney has a research, uh, group in Zurich and they do, oh my goodness, they did some I've, I've gotten to see incredible presentations from them internally at Disney. Really? And they saw similar problems, too, because these people in academia and research, uh, PhDs that want to publish their findings and their work, they would lose a lot of folks to Google and NVIDIA and other AI programs. And Disney is like, ah, we want you to stay here and work on these things with us. So that was something that they're like, no, why are we doing this? They should be able to publish these papers and works and their findings. Yeah. So that I like. Because it's attractive to them as individuals. Like, And it's just overall helpful. It's like, yeah, yeah it's this is this is what we should be doing. And then, mm. it, you know, Disney, very worldwide recognized name. But at the same point, this is helping to better that, too. You know, it's yeah. just a, it is the right thing to do. And then I saw the same thing with open source as well you know even kubernetes it was like how do we get borg when we don't work for google you know like how do we i liked that thing i don't want to have to recreate oh no never okay. google, but yeah yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah just hearing that story from the yeah, google yeah, folks, yeah 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 like getting yeah. tired of having to rewrite the same thing over and over and over yeah so you ended up doing sre leading yeah so so uh so for about 18 months i worked with that theatrical group and then we had an operations team and so uh, the opportunity came up for there to be the, the lead of that operations team. So I was talking to the manager about that. And, uh, and I said, I, you know, I can do that. But operations was more kind of a reactive workflow. The team that was working those things, it was patching things. It was um, taking down tickets, replacing, you know, uh, TLS certs and things like that. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I'd, I'd really like to kind of shape this team to be something that's proactive rather than reactive. Yeah. And we, you know, it was a long process, but we started, you know, once I took the, the reins over there, it was um, really focusing that on being what it, what is an SRE? Like, let's get the team working with Kubernetes. Let's embed some of them into some of these groups that have adopted that already so that they build up that experience because the skill sets are different too, going from operations to SRE, um, you know, and so you patch all these things, great, could we automate that? Can we use Ansible? Can we mm-hmm. use Terraform? Can we use mm-hmm. tools yeah. or workflows to make this? Pick your poison. Fun? Yeah. Can we use something? Yeah. Do, do you want to, do you, like truly, do you want to have to do these things late at night or things like that? Yeah. How can we update these things yeah. automatically and then test that too? Yeah. So all of those kinds of concerns came up. People hate change, especially if it like relates to their work. But the thing that they hate more than that is being on call. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So so far, I'm really happy that I haven't had to pick that up again. I yeah. have so many so many on call stories. Uh, yeah. Like the and know too much about pager duty integrations and things like that. Like uh, the auto uh, automatically updating V card so that you can have it ring through your phone. I've got an Apple oh. phone, so yeah. yeah. I know. I know plenty You're of things. Fancy on me. It's oh yeah. It's it's. But sometimes sleep is better. Uh, <laughs> as 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 fancy as we can get with pager duty, sleep would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, th- that that was that was really interesting. That just um, kind of developing out the um, remediation and incident management mm. uh, function of that. I think was that's where I that's that was I think the thing that I was able to do most impactfully. Really? Yes. Yeah, so you were able to. That was a big like a big problem for me in the past. Is just and, and I I never did. I was never able to like improve the incident management processes that were within my uh, purview. So like what. What did you do? So with that, it was there. There were a whole bunch of problems that had come up with just being on a bridge, being on call. I think typically in in my experience, it had been um, it, it, Disney, any company. It was always something bad happens. Then someone initiates. You know, typically it's it's management or stakeholders. Like, could we get a bridge open? You know, they're trying to see a yeah. resolution, which yep. makes that's, sense. That sentence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where is it? Where where do I call into this? Yeah. you know, like that's yeah. typically the first question. Yes, yeah. where do I call uh, in? No, can we get a bridge <laughs> open? Know, we have a Slack to. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, that was so that would happen. Uh, tons of people would join. You know, on really bad outages, like hundred plus people, and it's like, objectively, is that helpful you know like there are other ways in which we you shouldn't have to be tethered to your phone 
to solve this. You know, it's yeah. like, I, I, you know, a, a hot take, but probably, <laughs> probably not a hot take. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. I think that's agree. a definition of a yeah. hot take. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's well that, and you have like, it just life happens to you. Like people forget to be on mute dogs, family things going on. It's just, Oh, instant management calls are the funniest. It's it's the hardest to hear. Yeah, funniest. <laughs> yeah, funniest. Call. Yeah, whose dog is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like mine. Sorry, <laughs> package at the door. Um, but uh, that I think uh, first identifying like that is not an optimal solution. Like it's no. very difficult to solve a problem when it's just no, tons of noise. We want yeah. signal. So being able to say like, okay, what we're going to do is, uh, you know, either I'm going to be like a person, we should have an incident like commander um, or or manager and have that person take the lead on checking with the engineering team that's going and fixing this, communicating with the stakeholder and listening to them and helping them communicate the problem Mm -hmm. as to what's going on. You have to have people that understand a little bit of, you know, the business space and understanding how to communicate that in like a business value kind of way, Mm -hmm. as well as the engineering. So did you have a roster for for incident managers? Yeah. 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 It was, we had like levels of escalation. Mm -hmm. That was another one too. It was like, it used to just be like this person on call for this week, and like yeah. that did you person, did you respond yeah. to the pager duty? If your name is at the top, you yeah. are the incident manager. Well, that would happen, and some people would be asleep, or their phone would be off, or again, mm-hmm. life would happen. Yeah. You know, uh, so that call wouldn't get picked up, and then who do you escalate oh. to? Like that's the so worst set. when the when the head of the business unit gets it. Yeah. Then. And You'll it be will, hearing about it, that for a month. If it will, if it does bubble up, you know, into the C-suite, it's yep. it's no one is happy after that. Yeah. So yeah. it's you want to you want to help enable these problems to get solved. Yeah. But also at the same point in time, you want to establish a good culture with people as well. So you know, listen to the stakeholders. There's they're a stakeholder for a reason. Um, you know, understand their concern effectively communicate like okay here's what we're going to do make sure that they know there's a plan mm-hmm. if you just go we're on it that's not enough information you know yeah. like that that to me that'd be scary i'm like well you're gonna uh, keep hearing plan? from that stakeholder yeah be like okay that didn't answer my question what's up what's, up? Help, what's, up? Please. what's up yeah so really it was kind of coming into this um structure that was just kind of uh, misshapen you know mm. and being able to say like, okay, what what do we what primitives do we do we establish? Which roles mm. do we establish that's going to be helpful for this? Um, so that was the biggest one was just separating the engineering and the stakeholders because one wants to see an outcome immediately as fast as possible. Yeah, but that's not always what's best. Yeah. Um, the engineering team too wants to enable a solution to happen. They want to go to bed. Exactly. Yeah. But at the same point in time, they want to have enough data for like the uh, the, the the report that we write up later on the, the incident. RCA. And, yeah. and actually know that they know what to change. So it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Um, previously, there it was kind of acceptable culturally to have something bubble up and happen. And then as one, as so long as one group was established as like the, you know, that this is what caused the problem. Okay, you need like, okay, it's done. We just figured out where it came from. Mm-hmm. We're done. It's like, no, 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 no. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen again. Yeah. We just established Prevention. blame. That's yeah. not what we want to do. Yeah. Let's fix the problem. We all agree that we hate Bob, right? Yeah. Yeah. Done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, just blame it on the intern. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, oh, but, but having the team, you know, recognizing like, no, it can't just, and it's not typically a single root cause. It's mm. very rare that that's oh. the case too. Oh yeah. Establishing that and communicating that to the stakeholders is a big thing that we ended up having mm. to do. Um, and saying, and you know, it, it, wanting the team to get to sleep, but also saying we need to understand what's causing this. Don't just restart the box. Don't just bandaid the thing. Yep. We like at least get telemetry. Like even if we do end up doing that, cause it's like really critical. It's yep. like a highly impactful thing. Let's at least know that we have enough to dig into after yep. this is completed to be able to fix it for real. I was once on, um, a very memorable, uh, incident management call. It was like 50 people on the call, but it was, but there was like, it was like rotating. Like there was like 10 that were staying, like actually doing stuff. And then there was this like rotating 40 people coming in and out of the call. <laughs> like somebody told me to be here. I don't need to be here. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, and so of course I was one of the 10 just cause hell, um, broke loose. And, um, and there's Microsoft was coming on and it's, it's like this particular call was like everything that you were saying is going wrong. Right. Microsoft came on and they're like, okay, cool, cool. We're on it. And then left. We're just like, what? Right. And, 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 and frankly, Microsoft yeah. is, is not a bad operation. No. But in this particular case, 
we're all just like looking around even at if, each other. Even if they are world class, whoever, yeah. saw, like this is the one person in the world that can yeah. solve that problem, you're still freaking out. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we're sitting there, we're just like, communicate right. with me. Um, at one point, the uh, business unit head w- got on the call and like actually laid into these dudes. Like, <laughs> she's like, she's like, not very kind. Um, and so like there's that. And then um, there was the like just a bunch of people that didn't need to be on the call were on the call. And so what happens in this particular case that made it like hit all of the checkboxes from your story was that um, <laughs> there is there is a hundred different machines that were involved in this process uh, that went down. And it was a dev outage, but we're 18 hours into a dev outage. You know, like we had, I think we had 20 applications. And none of them were able to work in dev. And so it's like, okay, we're like the, we're, like we need to treat this as a, as a prod outage. Like we're 18 hours into this, right? Yeah. Like we're losing yeah. two, we're, we're coming up on the second day of work that's getting lost. Well, the thing was that they, they finally got it down to like, they're like, okay, we know the one machine, like we, we've gone through and we've, we've uh, checked the config on all of these, restarted them with these configs. Well, we found one that has a, uh, like, a slightly different behavior. We know it's this one and we don't know why. Do you want dev back on or do you want a root cause analysis? And uh, one of the most senior people uh, who is occasionally abrasive was like very clearly saying we want both, right? 30 minutes passes and they're like, do you want the machine back on? Like, because it was like this one machine being restarted would bring the entire dev dev systems back online. It was it was just very uh, whatever it was was a mess, and um, and it just finally was like, just bring it back online. <laughs> <laughs> just, just bring it back yeah, online. Yeah, do, do what you need. Yeah. yeah, we never knew what caused that. Wow. Never wow. found out what caused that. There, there, in, in, at some point in time, you, you, you like it's everything is trade off. So sometimes you have to make that decision. Yeah. But that's important too. Is the folks that ask for everything? It's like everything is truly the same as saying nothing. So it's like both are there both are, terms, are conditionally yeah. true. So yeah. you know, like yeah, like not not is the same as yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So you you guys went with an embedded approach. Mm-hmm. Um, please yeah, tell yeah, me. Yeah. So, so when it came to like what our composition was, it's we it definitely went through transformation because we went from five folks to forty, and I was part of that initial five. Forty SREs. Correct. Correct. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah, that was our our entire team, including like uh, we had one manager, um, we had some staff folks, we had uh, some senior folks, we had some mm. contractors, and they were uh, you know for all intents and purposes the contractors we, they're the same level like senior levels and things like that. Yeah. Too. But just like, how many how many applications or were teams were you supporting? Uh, our, I think our unit was, uh, the, all of systems engineering was supporting 450 applications. Mm, and so everyone yeah. interacting with them in different ways, like the SREs were, or, or the, um, the systems engineers were kind of focused on, um, supporting those teams in a day-to-day sense. So those were the embedded folks. Mm. Um, and they were helping with like the video encoding teams and the residuals teams, you know, making mm. sure the actors were paid and, um, shared services, which were, uh, applications that like didn't really have uh, a specific home. But you know we're used by a lot of business sections. Hmm. Uh, data services was another one too. So what were these embedded folks doing? So we so it was interesting in our composition because we had those folks embedded with those teams, but we drew the expertise and all of our learnings together um, as our team. So we sat together. So we had that like, that geographical proximity. Hmm. Uh, there were a couple remote folks, but this is before COVID mostly, hmm. and so and and we were just everybody was local too. So okay. we'd be able to like go and meet with teams, or like come into a problem, or get a scope of work, uh, wow. or a, a ticket objective, whatever, and then come back and be like, oh, shoot, how do I do this? Like implementing things, you know, like our telemetry and observability platform that we picked, our APM. How do we use these things? Hmm. Um, uh, what are you measuring that I might not be? What's mm. you know what what does your pane of glass look like? Are these vanity metrics or are these things that are going to help me predict the next outage or mm. be mindful of certain workloads? Um, so like, how do we scale things? What are some good standards for us to have? Mm. Talks like that evolved into um, you know good best practices. So we set best practices together. And then we were able to implement that across mm. all of the application teams. So we got this, the best of both worlds of working day-to-day on these workloads and these teams. It was never, it, it, some of the teams, since it was lower workloads, it was always at least two people so that people could go on vacation. Um, per team, and yeah. Ex- exactly. And then you rotate out so you could have some folks come you know, back to systems engineering home base, trade out these best practices, 
and then bring that back. That person could then swap out and then talk mm. with other people. So like there was always this really nice exchanging of. So nobody just sat on one team every single day for months. Exactly. Okay. To help like uh, you know like oh how do we automate certs? Let's use Cert Manager. Let's do this. Oh no, let's use uh, ACM or you know whatever it might be. Yeah. So that was that was cool. Then we kind of started to split things up into kind of the embedded SREs, but then pulling some of the folks uh, aside and having them focus on a platform like shared yeah. logging or uh, secrets management cluster, uh, those kinds of things, or best practices as it comes to auditing and like mm. um, how do we do chargebacks and buildbacks for different groups, you know, like those kinds of things, tagging, um, just those kinds of concerns. So it was interesting to see how we kind of like, uh, when we were smaller, just like jump into uh, things and not be as embedded. Um, and then, you know, later on have enough people to be able to sustain that model yeah. of being embedded and also sharing best practices together. Yeah. I feel like you guys like hit the ideal there. And it was that we had fun competitions too, because it was really? just like we would take a look at like utilization and like cloud costs, even at yeah. that point in time. And so we were just like, okay, like who can like pull back, like who can have the best like um, uh, right sizing story? Oh, gosh. So like, so like, and it would be just like fun things where it's yeah. like actual business wins yeah. know, for those teams. But yeah. it's okay if you don't like, you know, save an extra $3 here or there. Like it wasn't like to that or like in, in but, but, it, of, but it was a game. Like you made a yeah. game out of trying to save that extra three yeah yeah it's just like oh who got the most I, oh, think, yeah. I think we internally called it like project armani or something like that yeah. so yeah it was really fun and That's then like funny. and then so we had leaderboards of that too like okay who saved the most money like oh my gosh you went from this instance type <laughs> to that one what that's like, all it took yeah, yeah it's like oh you uh yeah but like bursty workloads auto scaling groups like mm. trying to figure out all of those kinds of things too it's just yeah. like that did push into some like groundbreaking things. So always making sure it was fun too. Even in incident management, like all those specific disciplines and SRE, we, I liked how the team made that fun as well. Was it self-directed or like directed from your oversight that was kind of forcing these changes and stuff? I'd, I'd say it was a little bit of both. It was, I, I liked how it, it was very, Disney made it very easy to bring new technologies to the table, at least for our team, mm. um, and to be able to experiment. You know, like there was, it was, it, you know, like, please don't fail. But, uh, but <laughs> like, you know, like there, there are big things we're doing, but we were encouraged to have like bake-offs and mm. try out new things you know not necessarily in production but to bring a proof of concept present on it and like cool. see, get some buy-in from folks like does wow. would this actually solve your problems or does this kind of sound like more like a toy application or maybe it doesn't really fit our kind of like want for implementation here and pause eddie knight from the future coming in here we tried during editing to get this down to that 30 minute sweet spot that that perfect zone that we ideally imagine we can get every podcast to but taylor and i lost track of time and during editing every single second of this conversation was just so intense so helpful uh just decided to leave it all in the things we learned about from taylor's time at disney and his time at cncf have been uh very educational for me at the very least but if you're working at an enterprise and you're using any of the CNCF technologies, uh, Kubernetes might be uh, one that you recognize the name of, make sure that you have communication lines open with Taylor or somebody on his team to give feedback, to talk about your use cases, the, the different pros and cons, and, and the things that you're experiencing as you're incorporating these CNCF projects. That's what Taylor and the rest of CNCF are, are here to really, really enable and support. So make sure you're taking advantage of that. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, but this entire season is made possible by Sonatype. Sonatype is uh, one of the most intentional organizations that I've ever been part of when it comes to investing in the open source communities. Uh, since I've been sent out into to working with FinOS, uh, the financial technology vertical of Linux Foundation, CNCF, and OpenSSF, which is the Open Source Security Foundation, um, I've been able to be part of a lot of different efforts that are that are taking place and repeatedly I am hearing wow yeah we we, we know Sonatype from your guys's presence in the community and that's just such a refreshing change of pace Sonatype is not only leading the pack when it comes to providing tooling for consumption of open source but also 
in contributing back and helping secure the entire open source environment across the entire ecosystem. It's just absolutely brilliant. Uh, so just huge, huge, huge thanks to Sonatype for making this possible. And now let's head back and say goodbye to Taylor. Well, this has just been an absolute freaking pleasure. Thank you, Taylor. Really Thank appreciate you. It. Yeah, this is fantastic. Yeah, we'll start our band Digital Twins. And we digital Twins. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, we'll play some Digital Twins to, 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 get, to get our way out of here. Thank you. Thank you.